Well, good morning. <clears throat> My name is Brett. I'm one of the pastors at Bridgewater. It's great to have you here this morning. We are in a series in the book of Exodus. So if you have your Bibles, I'd love it if you turn to Exodus. It's the second book. So you start at the beginning, you go one in, and you got it. Uh, we've been following the last few weeks the story of the Israelites as uh, God has begun to work in, in Egypt and uh, is working on freeing them. They've been slaves for over 400 years. God brings along a, an unlikely leader, a man named Moses, and he is now trying to help them gain their freedom. I guess that's what God wants. And so what we've been doing is we've been seeing our story in their story. Now, what's, what's crazy is the Egyptians or the uh, Israelites are about ready to leave Egypt or have left Egypt last week, and they are in brand new territory. So everything is new for them. They have never known freedom, These, this generation. They've never known freedom. It's been 400 years. Like, they've never known. It would be like us trying to relate to the tyrannical government of England and the king of England imposing taxes. Like, we'd be like, we don't, we, we don't remember England. Like, we, they've never been in charge of us. Oh, no, no. And so this would be like the Israelites. They, they've been slaves 400 years, so they're just coming out. This is all new. They had everything provided for them. Pharaoh, even though he was in charge of them as slaves, they knew where their food was coming from. They knew what they were going to do that day. They knew where they were going to sleep or not sleep. They knew pretty much everything. Okay, they, they were slaves. They didn't have freedom. So there was no pressure. They just did what Pharaoh wanted, what the slave masters wanted. Now they're free. They've got this guy Moses leading them. And this God who is saying, we, I am your leader, now I'm going to provide for you. Pharaoh's not going to provide, it's going to be me. And they're a little leery of that. Like, who are you and how are you going to do that? So today, we're going to dive into the book of Exodus and we're going to look specifically at how and what God provided for this new nation that he redeemed and how does that parallel with what he provides for us as followers of Jesus? Uh, we're going we're gonna to see several ways that God provided for his people. And I think what we'll find, what, what I found this week as I studied this, there, it, is, it is neat how, how my life as a follower of Jesus does mirror what the Israelites were going through and wrestling as this, this God that they didn't know became their God and he began to provide for them and direct their lives. And it is neat to think that that is the same God that we have today. So we're going to dive right in. And the, we're going we're to be in Exodus chapter 11. The, uh, the first thing we see is that God provides blessings I don't deserve. And God provided the Israelites blessings they certainly didn't deserve. He provides me blessings I certainly don't deserve. But we're going to let the text say that. So Exodus chapter 11, verse 1, here's what it says. Now the Lord said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Egypt, and on, or on, on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from there. And when he does, he will drive you out completely. Tell the people that men and women alike 
are to ask their neighbors for articles of silver and gold. The Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed towards the people, and Moses himself was highly regarded in Egypt by Pharaoh's officials and by the people. Okay, so here's, before the Israelites leave Egypt, God says to Pharaoh, I want you to tell the people, go next door and ask your neighbors, the Egyptians, to give you all of their riches. Tell them you want their gold, their silver, and their clothes. Because I'm going to make you favorably disposed in their eyes. Interesting. Okay, chapter 12 then, verse 31. This is where we pick up the same story then. During the night then, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron. So Pharaoh's firstborn has just died. He calls Moses and Aaron in and he says, Up, leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go, worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and your herds as you have said and go and also bless me. The Egyptians urged the people to hurry and leave the country, for otherwise, they said, we will all die. So the Israelites, the people, took their dough before the yeast had been added and carried it on their shoulders in kneading troughs wrapped in cloth. The Israelites did as Moses instructed and asked the Egyptians for articles of silver and gold and for for clothing. The Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed towards the people, and they gave them what they asked for. So the Israelites plundered the Egyptians. Weird, huh? So, in context, the Israelites are slaves for 400 years, 430 years. They gain their freedom through a series of miracles, plagues, that the Egyptians had to go through, that God sent down on Egypt. The Egyptians finally say, okay, just get out of here. All right, we're going to die. You are killing us. Just leave. Please leave. And the Israelites are instructed, as you leave, take all their silver and gold. (laughs) It's just really odd. It would be like me having an employee and firing the employee, and the employee says as he leaves, you know what, before I go, could I just have everything in the cash register? No! Get out of here! Like, you are killing our business. Leave! But God had had the Egyptians say, sure, here you go. (laughs) Oh, I have more. Wait, I have more. Yeah, oh, my savings too. Here. Isn't that just like God, though? So God says, I'm going to give you your freedom. I am going to free you. You've been slaves. I'm going to give you your freedom. And, oh, by the way, I'm going to give you, I'm going to bless you with provisions to sustain you on your journey, too. It's going to be a long, hard journey. Don't worry. Here's some gold. Here's some silver. Here's some clothes. Like, who does that? Oh, our God does. Our God does. You don't just get your freedom. Oh, no, no. He gives us blessings we don't deserve. He gave the Israelites blessings they didn't deserve. Did they deserve that gold? No. Did they deserve the silver? Did they deserve the clothing? No. 
They should have just been happy with their freedom, right? I don't have to make bricks today. Yeah. Oh no, here's some gold. It's fascinating to me that that God would provide both freedom and resources. And I, I, I think it's not only true of them, it's true of us as well. That God, God provides me with blessings that I certainly don't deserve. I think back to how he freed me from the slavery of sin. And he didn't say, okay, there you go, you're guilt-free, now here you go, bye. No, God says, oh, no, no, let me resource you. Let me resource you for your new walk with, with Jesus Christ. And here's how he does it. Let me, uh, let me give you the Bible. Let me give you a playbook to help you on your, on your new life. Because you're not a slave to sin anymore. But I want to resource you. Here's, here's what it says in, uh, in 1 Peter 2. Uh, Paul, uh, Peter writes, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babes, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. What Peter says is, you've been freed, you've been freed from the slave of bondage of sin, and now I want you to crave spiritual stuff, and, and this is the spiritual food right here. I can read the Bible and I can know what God wants me to do in my life, how he wants me to live. We have a bunch of opportunities for you to get to know the Bible better at Bridgewater. That's one of the ways God resourced us. He gave us the Bible. Israelites didn't have the Bible. We do. We have a 30-day Bible reading plan. It's out there on, the, uh, on a table out there in the lobby. Um, this is, we've been resourced. Now, we might not take advantage of the resources, but we have been resourced with God's word. Build a habit. Uh, there's, these are in the lobby also, and there's a, uh, um, a QR code on the back. You can scan. It takes you to a Bible reading plan, 30-day Bible reading plan. Psalm 100 is out there. We've been resourced, just like the Israelites, for our journey, but not only through the Bible, we've been resourced with the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2.12, God gave us the Holy Spirit to help us. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2.12, it says, what we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. We're told in John 10 and John 14, John 16, that the Holy Spirit comforts us, helps us, teaches us all things, leads us into all truth, convicts us, shepherds us. We've been given God's word as a resource. We've been given the Holy Spirit as a resource, but we've been given the body of Christ also. Here's what it says in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. It says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, 
And all the more, as you see the day approaching, they didn't have the church. We do. We have the Bible. They didn't have that. We have the Holy Spirit. They didn't have that. We have the body of Christ. They didn't have that. See, God, God resourced the Israelites, no question about it. He said, plunder the Egyptians as you go. Take their gold and their silver and their clothing. Away you go. You've been resourced. You have freedom and resources. He did that with me. He did that with you. If you're a follower of Jesus, he didn't say, okay, there you go. You're free from slavery of sin. Yahoo, have fun. Woo-hoo, toodaloo. No. He said, oh, your freedom from sin, yeah, but you know what? Here's the Bible. Here's my word. Study it. Love it. Learn from it. It is a resource. It is a playbook for life. Oh, here's the Holy Spirit. He will comfort you. He will help you. And as Jesus was, was ascending to heaven, he said, I'm not going to leave you. The Father's not going to leave you alone. He's going to send a comforter. The Holy Spirit. We have that. And we have the body of Christ. Now, I can just see the Israelites. All right, I can just picture this. The Israelites, they, weren't not, they were not a happy people. I, I, we're going to see that here in a little bit. They, they got out into the, their freedom, and they began to complain. And I can hear them complaining, you know, oh, we have to carry all this gold along. Yeah, great. Yeah, freedom. Yeah, what freedom? This gold is heavy in my pocket. And I think, you know, they probably undervalued some of those resources. They probably didn't see the total value of them right up front at the beginning. Especially if their neighbors were really wealthy. They had to carry a whole bunch of gold. But I think I do the same thing with God's word. I think I undervalue it. It's an incredible resource for me. And how often does it just sit? How often do I struggle and wrestle through things and forget that the answers are right here? They're right here. He resourced us. He resourced us fully and gave us provisions and blessings we certainly didn't deserve. He did, he did more than that, though. Not only did he resource us, but uh, <laughs> he fights battles I can't fight. And he fought battles for the Israelites that they didn't have to fight. He, he fights battles that we don't even know about. And we'll see that in, in the, uh, the Israelite nation. Here, let's, uh, Exodus 13. So the Israelites are free, and they're marching out. And here's what it says in Exodus 13, verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go... God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, which would have been straight, though it was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their mind and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went out, went up out of Egypt, ready for battle. So, so here's what happens. God looks at the map. And says, okay, I could have Israel, the Israelites take a straight shot to the promised land. But they're going to have to go through the Philistine country. And there's going to be problems. Probably going to be attacked. Just got, gained their freedom. If they have to go through war, they're probably going to just want to return to Egypt. So I'm going to avoid that battle. I'm going to have them go a different way. Okay. Verse 21. It says, by day... 
the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or by night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Okay, then Exodus 14, verse 1 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp in Pi-Hahithroth, between Migdal and the sea. Uh, They are to encamp by the sea, directly opposite Baal-Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, but I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. Okay, verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were not enough graves in Egypt that you brought us up to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to, be ser- to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Okay, so apparently the Israelites had not wanted to be free. Apparently at some point they had said to Moses, stop with the, the plagues, all right, just stop. Just leave us alone. We're fine being slaves. Because they said, didn't you hear us? We said we didn't want you to free us. Okay, then verse 13, Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians, you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the waters so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. Verse 19, Then the angel of the Lord who had been traveling in front of the Israelite army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of the Egyptians and the Israelites. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other side, so neither went near the other one all night long. Okay, so... So here's here's what happens. The Israelites are free. God takes them a long way so they don't have to fight a battle. The Egyptians follow them. And God says, I'm going to get glory. I see this is going to be good. I'm going to flex my muscles once again. The Israelites panic, start complaining. Why did you free us? See, I knew this was going to end poorly. (laughs) Great. Here we go again. God says, oh, no, no, I will fight for you. Only be still. I love that. Then he rearranges things, does a miracle, parts the Red Sea, 
And he moves the cloud and the pillar of fire in between the Israelites and the Egyptians. And he fights their battle. They don't have to pick up a spear. They don't have to pick up a bow. No arrows. I will fight for you. Only be still. I think God does that in our lives today. I bet there are, a, I, I, I figure there are a bunch of battles that I don't even know about. I don't even know about them. That God fights for me every day. There are a bunch of other battles that I do fight that I probably shouldn't. Because God probably says this right here to me. Brett, only be still. I will fight for you. Yeah, but you don't understand. They said this on Facebook and I just do 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 Yeah, so there. No, I will fight for you. But at work, my coworker and he said and I... I'm driving down the road and he cut me off. I have to make a point. No. I will fight for you. Only be still. It's hard to be still. There's a, a phrase uh, that another preacher said that I love. Do you want to make a point or do you want to make a difference? Do we want to make a point or do we want to make a difference? Oftentimes, the things I want to say, the things I want to communicate would only make a point. They would not make a difference. If I was just still, God would probably work. What would have happened here if the Israelites had not been still? What would have happened if the Israelites had all grabbed their spears and rushed the Egyptians. It probably would have been a mass slaughter. The Lord said, I will fight for you. Only be still. I wish this was an easy one. <laughs> but this is a really hard one for me. Ah, uh, I don't like to be still. But I know it's true. It's true. Isaiah 41.10 tells us that God encourages us and helps us. It says, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. 1 Corinthians 10:13 God says no tempt or uh, Paul writes no temptation has taken you except what is common to man and God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you're able to bear but when you are tempted he will provide a way out so that you can endure it. You see, God fights for us if we let him. In temptation, 
He fights for us. He provides a way of escape. In my fear, God fights for me. Do not fear, I'm with you. Philippians, Paul writes, you know, don't let, or uh, he, um, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, through prayer, let your request be known to God, and a peace that passes all understanding, we don't even understand it, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I will fight for you, but you don't understand, I've got to worry about this. If I don't worry about this, who will? God will. We're told that, that Jesus is our advocate before the Father, that he fights on our behalf. And the accuser will come in and say, oh yeah, well, Brett, you know what he did? He did this and this and this. And Jesus goes before God and says, oh no, 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 no. No, my blood covered that. He's your child. And God says, righteous. But you don't understand how bad Bixby is. Like, you know what he thinks about? And God says, no, righteous. I will fight for you. Only be still. God doesn't remove us from real life. He sustains us through it. You see, it's, it's easy to have pithy sayings that make us feel better. I wrote down a couple that I found. I am too blessed to be stressed. I am too anointed to be disappointed. I'm kind of like... It's not real life. It's, I mean, it's a nice saying. You put it on a plaque or on a t-shirt, but life is hard, and it's full of disappointments, and it's full of stress, and it's full of pain. And I think that's the reality. But we have a God who fights for us. I will never leave you or forsake you. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not fear, I'm with you. Do not be dismayed, I'm your God. I'll strengthen you and help you and hold you with my righteous right hand. That's our God. Wow. He provides for me in blessings and ways I do not deserve. He fights our battles. Uh, Exodus 15, we go on to, to see how, how God sustained the Israelites. So chapter 15, verse 22, it says, Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. So they had been, they had been delivered from the Egyptians. Okay, the waters came back, crushed all the Egyptian army, and the Israelites are free. They've seen a bunch of plagues that were miracles, and they were like, that's our God. They saw God show up at the Red Sea. That's our God, and then they do exactly what I do. Um, so Moses led them to sure. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why this place is called Marah. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to God, to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. There the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. He said, 
If you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all of his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Ilam, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. I just want to know who counted the palm trees. I read things like that in the Bible, and I think, who could make this up? I realize somebody counted the springs. Okay, that makes sense. But who's counting the palm trees? No, there weren't 69, Moses. There were 70. <laughs> well, good for them. Um, but, but what we see is the Israelites grumbled again. Where's the water? Yeah, this water, this water stinks. We're not drinking this. It's full of sulfur. <laughs> Probably could light it on fire. We, we want real water. And God's like, ah. Oh. All right, take that piece of wood, throw it in the water. There, okay. It's good. I'm going to bring you to a place with 12 springs. I will provide for you. I am the Lord your God. Hmm. Later on, they complain about not having meat. God says, I got that covered. There's a whole flock of quail, they're coming. And it says the quail were so plentiful that they darkened the skies when they flew over. And then for some reason they landed in the camp and forgot how to fly and all the Israelites ran out and clubbed a quail and they all had meat. <laughs> it's really the story. It's my version of the story, but it is really the story. And you know what? I see myself in this story because I am just like the Israelites and I don't think I'm alone. God does amazing things in my life. He has forgiven me from sin and guilt. He has given me second and third and fourth chances. He is, he is faithful to me when I am not faithful to him. And he has blessed me beyond measure with a family and a wife and a job and a group of people who follow Jesus that I love. And you know what? When my water's a little bitter, you know what I do immediately? Well, where's my water, God? Yeah, sure. How come we haven't had meat? You know, we used to have meat when we were slaves. I'm like, ah, unfortunately, that's, that's just like us. We forget God's faithfulness like that. Well, I appreciate you gave me freedom, but i got to carry this gold around now. Great. That's what we do. Well, yeah, we have a good church, but the chairs, you know, I wish they were a couple inches wider. The carpet makes my eyes hurt. I mean, I remember being in business meetings where we would argue about the color of the hymnals. And I think back and I think, oh, what a waste of breath. I wish I could get those two hours back. Because we have a flower to celebrate. Somebody's life changed for eternity. Somebody in heaven for eternity. All right, let's fight about that. The color of carpet never kept anybody from hell. I like this carpet. I'm fine with it. <laughs> but I think about our lives and I think, I think we're grumblers and complainers. 
I seem to focus on the couple things that God didn't do for me instead of the 29 that he did. And it's so easy to default to that. And God says, no, I'm your provider. I am your God. I will bless you. I have resourced you. Work hard to not make a point. Make a difference. And if you don't know what to do, read the playbook. And if you can't figure that out, I've given you the Holy Spirit who will help you understand what you read. And he will comfort you. And oh, by the way, I will never leave you or forsake you. Oh. Oh, if you are worried, don't worry. Just pray about everything. And I'll give you a peace that you don't understand. Oh. Well, what about wisdom? Oh. If anybody lacks wisdom, he should ask God. And God gives it to him without finding fault. Oh. James chapter 1. I mean, it's amazing what God has provided for us. And it is also amazing how quickly I forget and complain. I see myself in the story of the Israelites. And I don't like it. But that probably just makes us human. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it, right? Well, it's Thanksgiving season. I'm going to say that for the whole month. Like, it's Thanksgiving season. I tell you, after Halloween, it's just Thanksgiving, Christmas. They just kind of merge together. And I wonder if maybe we could double down as a group of people on Thanksgiving and gratefulness to God. I wonder if that would be a good, a good season habit. That we say, you know what, let's recalibrate. We have so much to be grateful for. Thank you, God. What an example for our children. So that they can see us being grateful and content. It's hard, I know. But God provides for us and God fights for us. Let's remember that today. There are resources out there in the lobby when you go out. Bible reading schedules. Double down on God's word too. Talk about an encouragement. This book is such an encouragement. And I would say if you, are, if you are playing video games more than you are reading God's word, you are probably out of whack. It's easy for me to say because I don't play video games. If you watch sports more than you are reading God's word, you're probably out of whack. That one hits home. Let's be grateful. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the example that you set for us with the Israelites and how you helped them. And I, I'm a little bit bummed out because I, I know that my default tends to be a lack of contentment and a lack of gratitude. Father, please forgive me for that. Thank you for fighting my battles. Thank you for standing in our, in our gaps. Thank you for second, third, and fourth chances. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for hope. The freedom from sin and guilt. Father, please help us to live in gratitude for what you've done. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.